You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast, brought to you ad-free with the support of our patrons. Visit mashthosebuttons.com or stay tuned after the show for more details. those buttons podcast about warcraft story and more my name is nick zelenkevich and i'm gragthar torn hunter on skywall us and i'm katie clanker goblin resto shaman on earthen ring us and today is june 9th 2021 and this is episode number 127 Damn. and yeah so like a few weeks ago the uh the the I know. Even, it was just, just folk, folk and fairy tales of Azeroth. Not even folklore. I know. It feels like it should be like folk tales or folklore, but it's just folk and fairy tales. But much I, like yeah. this podcast, some of the time <laughs> the lore is missing. Oh no, Nick! Jeez, that was a horrible self burn. <laughs> I'm gonna need some band aids for that one. Ah uh, yes. So anyway, we are going through the book. Um, you said you're up to the fourth. Uh, story in there, correct? I finished the fourth story, so naturally I got up to the goblin one, and then right. I didn't have enough time to finish the rest well, yet. So, f- frankly, they really only needed to have the first and the fourth story because the first story is a <laughs> right? torn story, and the fourth story is a goblin story. <laughs> I thought that so was that's pretty all amazing. we care about. Yes, like it's all. Uh, there's there's a part of me that I know that what I'm about to say is complete, completely not true at all. But there's a part of me that's like, no, they did this just for us. <laughs> Yes, just for us, Nick. Oh, oh, those, the Torn and the Goblin are going to talk about it. We need a Torn story and we need a Goblin story. The- oh, gosh, I wish. <laughs> but that being said, they were fantastic stories. Like, really cool. And I, I'm really excited to talk about both of them tonight as well. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, and, and, and I'll, I'll say this, uh, you know, not, not, well, well one, one, let me begin by saying, if you have not read the book, uh, as someone who's finished the book, Get the book. Yes. Read the book. I, I, I don't know if I told, said this on the air before. I was not planning on getting this book. Um, but then the uh, snippets came out about the one of the stories involving Sylvanas and the Jailer. And I'm like, well, if I want to keep up on my Sylvanas and Jailer lore right. and, and get all my speculation in order, I have to get the book. And I have to say I was very glad that I did. Uh, because every story that I read, I liked the next one that much more. Mm-hmm. And it goes all the way through. Um, there, uh, no, none of these stories felt like, oh, why was this in here? Oh, this was a dud. I mean, they're all relatively short and quick, so it's not, you know, it's not, it's not like you can get too invested in it or, 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 you know, even if you're not feeling it, it's, it's over really before you know it. Um, but like, there's not a dud in the bunch. Um, it's a very well put together book. It's, it has its own bookmark as part of it. I know that was what it is gilded. It has gilded pages. It's gorgeous. It it is. It is fantastic. the, each one of the page has, um, uh, I guess, I don't know, like decor around the edges. I, I can't really show it very well for those on stream, but it's really pretty. Like, yes. it's just this gorgeous work of art, and it feels like a fairy tale book when you open and close it. And I've been using the bookmark. That was really fun. Well, 
Yes. Well, my problem has been that I'm like, oh, this will be awesome. I can read these stories as like bedtime stories to, to my kids. No. And like none of them are really suitable as bedtime stories yeah. for like kids under under five. So yeah, no, these, part, there's, there's some scary stuff in there. Oh, yeah. Like, well, well I mean, we'll, we'll get to the, the Tuscar story. But that one I sat down and I started reading with the five year old and like about two pages in, he started checking out. And it was right about the part where. Uh, like things get start to get harrowing, and I'm like, okay, you know what? That was a perfect time for you to go want to watch Netflix. So, right. <laughs> so yeah. So, um, no, I, I I would recommend it. That said, if you do not want to be spoiled on any of these stories, and I mean, again, they're mostly benign. I mean, as we said, that I think one of the things we'll talk about is just how much, uh, how much uh, like canon lore can be absorbed from these, because yes. in many ways these are folk and fairy tales and therefore not uh you know n- not truthful although you know there is some grain of truth in all stories but mm-hmm. you know it's, it's not like oh you know it's not like there's any kind of quiz or anything like you need to know this you know wh- why don't you you know why don't you understand that story because it's going to apply to something that we'll see later although maybe it will but that we'll get we'll get to that in time yes but um i mean for the most part these are all parables and fables and whatnot so i wouldn't i wouldn't you know i wouldn't feel like you need to know it but I would recommend I, getting it anyway. I think what's really cool about the fables that I've read is they, at least for some of them, they really expand like the culture. Um, like the second one about the Tuscar, that one feels like it expands their culture more. Like we got to see them in um, Northrend, but like we got like I think only a handful of quest hubs. We didn't spend a lot of time with them. I know you can. I think you can get to Exalted with them uh, via fishing, but. This one actually takes it a little deeper and it, it explains a little bit. Very, very like, how to say, they do a very good job blending it into the story, but you get snippets about how like some of their society works, which is really neat. And so I thought that was like cool that they, they didn't like just, you know, it wasn't just thrown in your face. They're like, ah, oh, yes. And so and so. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so that's something that's been really fun about these books. Even though they're fables, a lot of times you can glean parts about uh, the different races, cultures that they have in here just from their fables alone. Sometimes they have like a little snippets that actually lead you to things you're like, oh, I, I didn't know that they either practice that or like this is how their society is structured or whatever it is. Um, and I, I found that in the first four. So I'm hoping that will kind of keep going and we'll see more things like that going forward. Well, the question becomes as you read these. Who is the narrator? As it always particular is. Stories? I mean, and, and we had that kind of question in general about Chronicle. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how does, like, who is, is this Blizzard telling us this? Is this some Titanic messenger telling us this? And we, we kind of understand, like, oh, no, that was written from the perspective of the Titans now. We've had that kind of knowledge given to us. But here, I mean, these are, all, these all feel, I mean, I know these are supposed to be like tales told around, like, you know, like at a, at, uh, in, a in an inn, like, it, you know, like around a game of Hearthstone or something, like. But it's interesting, I mean, uh, you know, uh, for example, like there's a story about Uther. So it's like I find it fascinating that to think of like a bunch of people sitting at like an inn in Azeroth, like telling, like, let me tell you a story about Uther. And it's like, all right, right. like, you know, lay what? it on me here. But that, but it makes sense, though, like I said, with Hearthstone. I mean, Uther is a character in Hearthstone. So mm-hmm. Hearthstone is canonical in game to a degree. So it's, it's like <laughs> yes. pe- pe- people know who Uther is. <laughs> right. Well, in a lot of these, which is interesting to me. At least some of them are cautionary tales, right? So you know that oh, yes. these are, are tales that you tell. Uh, like, there's a Volpira one we're going to cover tonight. It's like, oh, yes, like, we cover uh, this story about the Volpira, and you, you tell it to your, your Volpira kits to get them to behave. Uh, and, like, 
lots, it's kind of like our own grim fairy tales, right? Like um, Pinocchio or like any of the ones that actually have scary right. endings. <laughs> right. Well, well, that, well, that's the thing. This runs the gamut. Because you have the Volpira story, yes. which it reminded me of like, you know, something out of a horror anthology. And then you have other stuff that's just still upbeat. And po- I mean, the, the Tuscar story ends yeah. on a very positive Yeah, so I was going to say the Tuscar one was really good. I mean, they're, they all kind of end, at least so far, they've been satisfying when they end. Like, yes. whether it's kind of like, ooh, like that was a cautionary tale or like the goblin one for example ended to me on a very humorous cautionary tale just because of their culture uh we'll get into that in a minute but like so far i've been very satisfied with the four that i've read which i really can't wait to dig into the rest of them uh but even that being said i i feel like that's probably going to be the the heartbeat going forward like it's they're going to feel like good well-rounded very believable azerothian tales because they do already so i'm excited to get to the rest of them honestly what's Let's go ahead. Let's dive into the first one, which is, as we said, it's the Torin, uh, the Torin creation myth. Yes, which is great because I feel like this really fleshed it out. I, I believe there is in game. There's quite a bit of in game dialogue about it. I don't know how what to what extent it's ever been fleshed out in game, um, but we, like we know about um, Anshe and Musha. Um, yes. We've heard about both of them before. Uh, the one that I hadn't heard about here, and I'm going to pull open it because I need to remember their name, um, was the tier Losho. Um, yes. But I, I don't know. Should we do a brief synopsis of what happened? Well, it's, I mean, it, well, it's, it's Eyes of the Earth Mother by L.L. Yes. L. McKinney. Hmm. And I mean, yeah, if you want to if you want to go ahead and, and start uh, you know, describing sort of uh, the story here. <laughs> All right, I can give it a go. Um, so it kind of begins with like the early days of the world, like with of the Earth Mother, right? Um, and from what I understand, she created Anshe and Musha, and I, I apologize. I think she like they're out of her eye, or like one of them is her eye. One of like no, she 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 winds up putting them into her eye. Oh, putting them into her eye. You're probably right. So yeah. I, I had that moment where for some reason I thought that she like made them out of her eye, um, but she does that to protect them. So like in the beginning, she these are her children. So the sun, which is Anshe, and Musha, which is the moon, uh, she creates them, and they they're very complementary to each other, but very different. Um, and they talk about the shadows, which I would guess are the old gods they like the the old ones i think is what they call them uh and to protect them she puts them in her eye uh let's see so go ahead no but then she she realizes that like she can't protect them and she takes them out and then she gets sad and that's when she cries the pale blue tear which becomes the blue moon was a low show because i hold on a second because like she creates the tauren first right so she creates the tauren and what happens is one day when she's sleeping, Anshe and Musha are watching the, the other children of the Earth Mother, which are the Torin, and they don't see that the shadows are starting to corrupt them. So the shadows start to take over the Torin, and instead of the Torin being in what is basically like the Emerald Dream, where it's like it's supposed to be this beautiful, lush land, and it's supposed to be all happiness, like they weren't tainted by any darkness, they were they're sharing, and there was kindness and happiness, and just all of the positive emotions, right? But then when the shadow comes in, it, you know, puts in like greed and rage and like, you know, all the negative uh, kind of scarier emotions. So it brings those to the Torin. 
and the Turing become corrupted and some of them start to fight and kill each other. And um, if I remember correctly, uh, Anshe and Musha uh, start to see the children fighting and killing each other. And they're like, we don't know what to do. And, you know, like like any older siblings, when things really go sideways, you're like, I don't know what to do. I got to go get the parent. Like, this is bad. So they yeah. wake up the Earth Mother. And upon her seeing these fields soaked uh, in the blood of her children, which is really kind of graphic, I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, she sheds a tear, which becomes ultimately becomes uh, another being, which I did some research and I don't think this has ever popped up before this specific uh, oh, the name. Yeah, the name Losho. Yeah. So that's new to this story. And I, I'm curious yes. what or who Losho they, they say it represents, uh, I think, the like, oh, well, it's the personification. It says of um, a smaller moon. Like, yeah, the, yeah, because yeah. there's the two, there's the there's the two moons that Azeroth that's has. That's right. So that's this right. Is, yes. So that's so, the so smaller that's moon. The, 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 that's the smaller moon, right? No, I was struggling with this story at first mm-hmm. because as I'm reading this, like one, like 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 we pointed out, like the you know they've talked about the Torn creation myth in the game. We've had some, you know, it's never been collected like this, but right. we've had we've heard elements of the story before, and so I understand that part of it, but I'm trying to like compare this story to the early parts of chronicle like to see is like like if this is a creation myth i mean i guess i i mean it, it is a creation myth but how much truth is there to this assuming the chronicle is is the right true standard and i'm trying to think like oh okay like oh no the shadow's coming is this a reference to uh like the black, black empire? empire and 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 at some point i had to be like just stop just stop trying to fit this into this other narrative. It's a creation myth. It's not go. I mean, it might inc- might incorporate some elements just through the evolution of their culture, and you know, they might harken back to dark times in the past and whatnot. Right. But it's not going to be a one for one. Like, oh, Me hey, too. you know, like this happened in Chronicle, and then the Torin are saying this happened here, and that's just their interpret. Like, it's not like that at all. And, and it wasn't until I let go and just like I'm just take the story as it comes on its own merits and evaluated as a creation myth that way that I was really able to kind of appreciate it because like, it, it felt like it felt like trying to fit like a square peg into a round hole. And I'm just jam- And I'm like, jamming. I'm like, I can't, and I'm, and I'm getting angry with myself because as we point out, like this is the torn story. I'm like, I should be enjoying this. I'm going to feel so bummed if I go on the show. And I'm like, yeah, I, did, I didn't like the torn story because like, <laughs> so yeah, I had to, I had to kind of, get in the right headspace for this because it's not, I mean, again, you know, talking about like, you know, how this story fits into the context and everything like this is not intended to be, uh, you know, like a literal, right. It's not a one for one. Because again, even then I'm thinking like, okay, so like there, there's a physical, like a physical earth mother being, and we know that there's a soul in the, there's a world soul. So is, is, is the earth mother, is that Azeroth expressing herself actually coming out and like, and pro- probably not. No, I, 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 I don't want to make that jump. Right. Like, I think that's one of those things that I enjoy thinking about. Like, when I was reading these stories, I was trying to imagine who was telling them. Right. I imagine like an elderly, um, I don't know, uh, elderly Torin shaman sitting around a campfire with all these youngsters, bright eyed. You know, they're, they're like, tell us the, the, the story of Anshe and Musha and Losho and the Earth Mother. Right. And so he's like, whoa. And. But that's kind of what I get out of these stories. These are ones that are told by the denizens of Azeroth for the denizens of Azeroth. 
I think that's what really kind of like struck me in my heart because I, I we don't get to hear their perspective very often. Like we a lot of times when you hear perspectives, they're from our hero. Like we're talking to people who our hero has encountered or, you know, like the Titans are legitimately laying out the lore of the universe for us. Uh, a lot of times we don't get these like little small tucked away tales that are just told around the campfire of what, I, for lack of a better word, the common folk. Or, or when we do, as we pointed out, like you get like little bits and pieces, like right. it's an incomplete, like, like, as we said, like they're taking, they're taking some of the established lore that has been, you know, put into the game, but they're, they're finally putting it into one story instead of like, you get this little bit from this character, this little bit from that character. Right. Cause yeah, like, like you talk about like, who's t- telling this? I imagine if not like just a generic, like like uh, up in the what was it the third tier of Thunder Bluff where they have mm-hmm. almost like an amphitheater kind of setting. Yeah. Like you could imagine like a shaman, maybe like Holm or not Holm. Uh, what's his face? Uh, the guy that burned in in uh, in, in uh, the Firelands then came back. The oh the one... um yeah uh, uh the, the, he's the big the, I thought the main it was Holm wasn't it? No, or, not Holm. No, no the, the, uh, main, the main I can't I can't think of. Dude, I know he's he's white. Um, uh, he's a white horrid. I know who you're talking about. That's yeah. going to bother me. I liked yes. that guy. He's actually yes. in one of the, the no- he's in multiple of the novels, actually. Yes. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Or also, but, but not, not just him, the, you know, this unnamed Torn that we can't think of, but, uh, <laughs> or maybe like, uh, Ebonhorn would be telling this story. Ebonhorn would be cool. He, I could see him telling he's not, this. He's not a Torn. He's not a Torn, but he, I bet he, he would know these, especially he's if he's with high mountain Torrens. He's been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, or who else? Or Zarin Tor. If uh, he's he's the he's like the ageless Torin that you meet in Northrend. He says he's been alive for like thousands of years, and it's not clear if he's actually like maybe he's more than a Torin or like what kind of magics are keeping him alive. But he he seems like the type to have this kind of knowledge where he would be sharing this story. So uh, yeah, like a character like that would be sharing this story. Yeah, I think you're right. Did did we have any more thoughts on the the Torin one? Like, I think you're right. Like, you can't really pick it apart too much. I think what's interesting about some of these stories is they're going to be little greens for us lore enthusiasts to pick at. Be like, ah, this is interesting. This is new. Or like, this is a little thread we haven't seen before. Could it be hinting at something that they're they're going to give us? Or like, I I don't want to pull them apart too far is what I'm trying not to do. But I I like having low show. We have a name for the smaller moon. And to my knowledge, that's never been there before. So, uh, Hamul. Uh, Hamul. Yes. Rune Totem. Is it Rune Totem? Yes. Yes. Okay. You know, the problem is I keep thinking of the, the, they they put a new druid in uh, hearthstone guff and I keep thinking of him. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Not guff, but, uh, but yeah. So like, I I do want to go back through all of these one more time after I'm done. But I, I do think largely they're just going to be uh, campfire stories or, you know, stories, cautionary tales. Yes. Uh, so that's, I don't know. As I said, I'm way too overexcited, like, hearing the common folk tales of Azeroth. Like, that is, like, one of the best gifts they could give me because I love, like, kind of parsing through little bits of culture and, I don't know. I'd say nomenclature, but I'd be like, haha, gnomes. But, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so... So yeah, so if you're ready, then let's move into the right. Tuscar story. Yes, yes. So the Tuscar story, that one was a lot of fun. Uh, it was, I wouldn't say it was more upbeat because the, the Torin one ended on a, a kind of, I'd say it's a, a, a little bit of a sad note. It wasn't like too sad, but it was like, it kind of, kind of felt the loss that the Earth Mother felt. Um, yes. Because in the well, end, I think, 
Go ahead. But I think that's that's fascinating, though, to think like your creation story. This is your story that establishes why the world is the way it is. And you would think like, oh, well, it should end with like, and everything was created and existed now. Hooray. Like, and, and you know, we're excited to be alive. And this is all a big part of that. And actually, it ends kind of on a bittersweet note yeah. because it laments what was lost in the creation. In a way, it almost implies like what we've come out with is what exists, but things used to be better in a way. Like there right. was a, a, a more pure time and we've lost that. Yes. Yeah. And so so it's it's interesting to think like what does that say about your culture then if you are you know if you are 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 you trying to get back to that time? Can you get back to that time or are you just forever affected by that knowing like you know as, as good as things are now it's not what once was and once what was once is is always is permanently lost. Well, what I think I really liked about the first one, the Torin one is it it really reflects it comes across very well in the the tone of the Torin people. Like it's kind of appreciate what you have, like, how do I say? Like, they're very good about being understanding and kind of slowing down to enjoy some things. I, it's hard for me to, like, put a lot of these into words, but they actually have a small list in part of the story where they're like, yes, these were, like, kind of, they, they like, oh, yes, these were the, hap like, the happiness of the children, but, like, they, like, happiness and truthfulness or whatever it was and then they talk about how the shadow came and corrupted them and gave them other attributes but the attributes that they did list were very much what we see the Torin try and represent on the surface as being peaceful and being kind being giving uh, and so what i think is really cool about this cautionary it's not cautionary excuse me the, this creation story is it not only tells the Torin, here's all of the things the earth mother gave you here's the good attributes you also have to be careful to balance your your shadow attributes, if you will. Like the, the things that the shadow gave us, right? Like rage and cruelty and all of that sort of thing. Like we should try and stay away from those emotions because they were not given to us by the Earth Mother. Those were from the shadow. Um, so like, not that it directly says that, but I, I guess that's kind of me interpreting how their culture would interpret the story in a way as well for the smaller children. Since the Earth well, Mother is such a central part of their belief system right right, and it's also fascinating that sort of the shadow is an, uh, a negative force is mm -hmm. part of their creation myth given uh during uh, battle for azeroth we saw um what was it uh i just had his name before now i can't think of it uh ebonhorn ebonhorn mm -hmm. uh you know he when he comes to thunder bluff uh you know they're attacked by the void and the spirits and at the and if you do the uh the, the Torin, um, uh, heritage armor quest line you actually like, go into the spirit realm and like they're under attack by what you know what we thought at the time was the shadow in hindsight it makes a ton of sense like oh yeah like the their connection to the the, the shadow lands was threatened because all of death is in turmoil mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but yeah but it, it's fascinating to think that you know for as much as ebonhorn is, is concerned about the void and the shadow that that's a concern that is echoed through the Torin. Yes. You know, for generations. Well, and it, I thought that that was particularly interesting as well, just because of how connected they are to the earth, right? So that's one of those things where, even though this is a creation story and some of like, I would think a lot of the common denizens of Azeroth don't necessarily see the grand scale things that are happening, like um, Nihilotha or like that kind of stuff. Like well, some of them I, do. I thought, 
I thought every person in Azeroth owned all three copies of Chronicle and they have they them probably on should. They <laughs> probably should. I'm like, this is your own history. You should learn it. Uh, <laughs> but like, I guess what I thought was really cool is that like like most good folk tales, like we were saying, there are grains of truth in here, right? Like you do need to beware of the old ones, the old gods, and whether or not they know that there are actual malevolent forces out there, which I would believe that they they know, especially because, you know, you can have um, uh, people like uh, Magatha Grimtotem who are just like, yeah, let's do all kinds of nasty shadow magic. Um, it's just it's interesting that they can wave it in there and it, it's, you know, I don't know, like they can talk about it without fully understanding the gravity of, you know, like Cthune or any of the old gods. Like, they might not even know the old gods exist, but they know that there's a darker force out there that they need to be wary of. Um, right. Which is cool that it's... I know we said that. It's just cool that they reflected it in their creation story. I thought that was a really neat way to describe how they, you know, instead... They, they have both light and darkness in them, if you will. Yes. So let's... <laughs> so yeah, so let's finally move on. We started yes, talking about it. Yes, here, let's move sorry. on to it's one small Tuscar by Garth Nix. Yes, this one was really cute. I like this one a lot. Yes. And so this one you have the you start off with like a I guess like a typical scene from like a, a Tuscar like fishing village. Mm -hmm. Um and there's the small Tuscar in question. I think Taruka uh, is her name. Taruka, yes. Taruka is her name. And and she's She's small. She's she, she's uh, she's female, and I get, I get the sense that there's a bit of a, a misogyny within mm -hmm. the the Tuscar society that they look down upon her, um, and they're basically, you know, she's trying to contribute to the village. She's trying to do her fishing, but she's over overlooked by the other fishermen, um, and she's she's filling in because her her father passed away, and so she's trying to you know kind of fill his shoes as a fisherman. Well, and, I was going to say, there's a, an important part where her father had passed away, but he's the one that's supposed to teach her how to fish. And so the oh, other yes. the other fishermen will not teach her how to fish because they're like, no, that's the duty of the father. We will not teach you. So she's had to learn all of these fishing techniques on her own, largely, while trying yes. to support her family of her mother and her sister still, her younger sister. Yes. Uh, which I was like, wow, this it was a good story. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they put they put a lot of weight on her. It's, it's very did. it's very it's very well done. and. And so, uh, so basically she, she's going out to fish and, uh, she's warned, don't go through this one straight, uh, because it's dangerous. And she's like, oh, they, they're just telling me not to go through there because right. that's where all the good fishing is and they want to keep it for themselves. And of course it's legitimately dangerous. Right. <laughs> and, and she goes through and there's a sea, sea monster that she encounters, which I guess it looked like a giant sea serpent or something. It's. Yeah. It's, it, I don't know that it's one that we've ever seen again. Like it. It's very possibly from from the picture. I don't think I've ever seen a creature yeah. like this, but it's also could be a tall tale sort of creature. Yeah, um, no, there's a lot of creatures in this in this book that defy known known like our known monster menagerie. Yes, but I mean, that, at the same time, I love that that so that expands it. Like we've right. been to the ocean well, once, right? Well, even then, like, there's, I mean, you know, we're not going to get to it this week, but there's a whole story about mermaids. Yeah. And it's like, technically, there are no mermaids. We've well, never we've, seen mermaids. We've but seen they, the skeletons of mermaids. Where have we seen the skeletons there, of mermaids? There's one, um, it's on the shore. Where is it? Oh, I got to go find it. There's, there's one of, there's one that's like on one of the beaches in, I think it's Boralus somewhere. There's like a half of a skeleton oh. and then there's like a fish body. So like, I, I, hmm. I remember it somewhere. I'll go find it. Um. 
I'll have to look for but that. We also have uh, the sirens, which are kind of like mermaids. They're kind not, of like mermaids, yeah. They're not, yeah. but they're very similar. Yeah. But, but anyway, we're, 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 get, we're Sorry, yeah. getting off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll right, get to that when right. we get to that story. Right. No, but. No, but uh, but she's also given uh, a, a, her her father passes down a special spear to her. Yes. Yep. And it's it's you know instead of the normal because uh, I guess most of their tools are made out of like whalebone that they've carved. Mm-hmm. This is an obsidian spear. Yeah. And it comes with like a prophecy, like or, or she she says or no, her father says to her uh, that the the gods will whisper to you so that you'll know when you need to use it. I think it's Onaka. No, no, no. Onaka's the other. Onaka's the other. Yeah. He's, he's. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, but, there, but but when she picks up the spear, like she hears somebody whisper, like, you will need this. Like, like, I, I thought that was really cool. Like the way that, you know, like the the prophecy and the sense of like, this is meant to happen plays into it. Yes. And then she goes out to sea and then so she's she's struggling with the spear and she's got this giant sea serpent and she manages to kill the sea serpent. But her boat gets uh, flipped over. Yes. And so then she winds up riding on the sea serpent corpse yes. back to back into the, the the village which i thought was great well and like it was so it was so sweet to see like her arrival on this giant sea serpent corpse right because like it sounds like tuscar from many um villages all around had come to see this like they're like you know like word had gotten out that something incredible was coming and they talk even in the very end that like multiple boats are helping her tow this massive beast into the harbor uh and uh yeah it was definitely a very triumphant end and it, it Definitely feels like a, one of those stories that you tell at the the campfire for young wide eyed Tuscar. You're like, yes, and if you are a good fisherman, then you can do this too. Something well, to that fact. I mean, I, I think there's a basic message there about sort of like you know persistence, mm-hmm. and I, I, I mean, I guess it helps if you're blessed by the gods. <laughs> I mean, an obsidian. <laughs> she had a little sphere. bit of that going for her. It's probably at least but- an epic. And I mean, she didn't, I wouldn't say she made the, the right decisions all the time because again, she's like, oh, I don't believe that, the, you know, she didn't believe them about not going through the straits. Mm-hmm. But that said, like she went out there and she did what she needed to do and she came back victorious and it was very, you know, it was very much a triumph of the underdog kind of story. Yeah. And it also established her because now at that point now she, you know, she had the biggest catch of anybody. She's established herself as a legitimate fisherman. So at no point are the other fishermen, you know, now going to look down on her. They're going to respect her and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the best part was, uh, what was it, uh, when she brings the catch first, yep. uh, to, was it Kiddick, I think his name is? The, yeah, the, who, who, uh, the fish counter. Yeah, the fish counter, and, and she, 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 she's hoping to get like five knots, and she, she gets one knot, I think. Yep. And, and, and then, yeah, and then at the, the, at the end, she's like, yeah, she's like, this better be more than one knot. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, I, I believe, uh, I have it pulled up here, so it's, so, yes. Kiddick proclaimed Takura, the beast killer as she was already called. I do not think whatever this is has gills or gill rod. How many knots for my catch? And this yes. like this serpent was when they're describing it, it's just like entirely massive, like almost almost like well, um not what whale shark level I think is in yeah. like Warcraft. Like big, very big. Uh, well, that's the other thing I like is that she earns the title of beast killer. Yeah, that was that- cool. <laughs> That you can imagine, like, you know, she's got her little interface and she's picking, like, and I'll be using the Beast Killer for now. (laughs) Right, right. Like, uh, it was a very good story. And, like, I think what was really neat, especially in the beginning, was learning about the system for them, like, counting catches. So, like, apparently, like, all the fishermen come in and they distribute their catch uh, amongst the, the rest of the tribe. And then if they have extra, that's what the knot is. And so they get to keep whatever that extra 
uh, fishes and they can use it to barter is what I understand. Uh, and so she's trying to get five knots so she can barter for some silk cloth for her, her younger sister so she can repair her kite. But uh, yeah. just that little bit about their society and how like it kind of works and talking about how the, the father will pass down the fishing knowledge to the next generation. Like those, those little things. I was like, these are super cool little nuggets of lore. I don't, I feel bad. I don't know if those were passed down before, but I don't recall. I don't remember any of that. So uh, whether or not it's brand new, it was, it was really cool that they integrated well, I, some. I culture feel in there. like they had room with Tuscar lore. Yeah. I don't think we have a lot. No. And I I can't imagine that revisiting the Tuscar in any sort of significant fashion is high on their list. I mean, I think we saw what the, we saw some Tuscar in battle for Azeroth. I think they were in, uh, I think there was like one or two in Zoldazar. If you looked for them close enough, because they're like Zoldazar just felt like a, a a trading port in in at least the bottom. I think they're like, yeah, yeah. like way back past the bazaar. I think they're in that little, like there's an enclave with a bunch of different races in it. I think they were in there. Yeah, there's like one or two there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they've been around and, you know, they, they, it may make sense that, you know, they would have like, you know, you know, they would show up at like a naval trading port like that. But, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, as far as like coming up with like, uh, like the, the, the currency of like the knots and, and yeah. whatnot. And I mean, that's, they, they, they've got room to expand on that. I don't think they're going to wind up con, 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 conflicting with anything in game so that they're fine. No, I don't think so. But as I said, like, this is why I get excited because they, they do such a good job integrating new lore and just like little bits of sprinkling little bits about their culture in there very naturally. And it doesn't take away from the story. They don't uh, they don't hit you over the head with it. All right. Are we ready to go to the next one? Yeah. So let's move on to Lay Down My Bones by Alyssa Wong. This one was definitely the darkest of the four. <laughs> this one, this one took a, a trip because. They change the narrator. Well, don't, they don't. Cha- they don't necessarily change the narrator, but like the they kind of do though. They change the narrator like halfway through. Kind of. I mean, it's. I think it's the same person all the way through. Because it it feels it because it starts off with a story of uh, there's it, a Volpira caravan and they've got it this. Changes, was it the wish was it changes like timescape part or yeah. like near the end but yeah it, well, it begins yeah. well you well basically it's like you it's got a false ending because you get to like it you, yeah. fi- you feel like you hit the end of the story it's like oh no there's like one like little there's, an epilogue yeah. i guess yeah. but no but uh so there's a volpira caravan and uh what is it called the, was it the wishing bone was it called or what was uh, it the, the, the wailing, wailing bone. bone the wailing bone yes yes because it's more sense. very uh very haunting name yes uh, and so the caravan so the, this this story immediately kind of ropes you in as they they talk about how this caravan uh has this noise this this dripping sound that has been set it, upon them go ahead it felt very like telltale heart yeah of uh by you know by poe like mm-hmm, where it's yep. like okay like you know you've got that guilty yep. the guilty character who's hearing just hearing that sound mm-hmm. of their guilt literally weighing on them and yeah, it, it, I mean, this, this, I don't want to say this was like an homage to a horror story, but it felt like it felt very much like a, a classic horror story Yes, of, you know, that, that, that you would read. And so, yeah, so they've got this wailing bone. And when a member of the caravan dies, they use the wailing bone to tell them where they're supposed to bury the caravan member. Yes. That they, 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 they kind of listen to the bone and, and it gets louder and louder. And then when it's finally like yelling and screaming, that's where they're, they're supposed to lay their caravan member to rest. That's how they know where that person should go. And so 
they tell it through like flashbacks yeah. because in the like in the present you have uh the the, the one uh Volpera and his cousin mm-hmm. where the two of them like they're taking the wailing bone they're clearly up to no good and then like through the flashbacks you find out that the elder and had passed away and they decided not to listen to the wailing bone because it was just, it was just leading them on forever and they were like can we just be done with this and what well, you know so like well like they, they talk about how uh just to give a more vibrant image like they talk about being in the caravan right and the the elder is behind them you know clothed and wrapped and like he's been preserved to an extent with herbs and oils but they talk about the heat of the day, like hitting the caravan oh, yeah. and the, the the stench, right? And they've been going for weeks and they're like, we haven't, the wailing bone hasn't made any noise. We're walking around in circles. Everyone is exhausted. Like they, they have been pushed to their limits because they haven't been able to put their elder to rest. And right. that's, the, they very much make that clear that this is a, a situation that no one would want to be in. Right. And so, yeah, they finally, they finally give up and they're just like, oh, hey, the wailing bone says we should bury him here. And then they like throw him in a river. Well, so no, they don't <laughs> even do that. Like, so what they do is the, the, they're the two kids, the two cousins, um, the older one, I'm trying to remember what his name is. It's like Sly or it's not Sly, but it's something very similar to that. Uh, he's, he's what the main character describes. is like, he's very smart. He's always, he's always known what to do. He's my older cousin. Like I always wish to be as uh as smart as him right and he's like okay so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna take the wailing bone and we're gonna take the elder's corpse and we're gonna go to the river in the dead of night and we're gonna put the the elder in the river and we're gonna just let him go down the river right like when the next big flood comes it'll wash the body away and like how would the wailing bone know the difference like he'll eventually go where he needs to go and it will seem like the caravan is still moving because its body's moving uh, and immediately after they do that, like that, that's when the dripping noise starts yep. and everyone in the caravan can hear it. Right. So it's not mm-hmm. just like it's weighing on this one vulpeer, like everyone, no one it's can everyone. sleep. Right. Yeah. They're horrible nightmares. Everyone has them. Like it's, it's getting to the point where like people are almost mentally breaking over this. Right. So they decide to go, you know, back to the, the river and look for the elder's body, or at least that's what you're supposed to think is happening, but then they get into the river and then, uh, was it Hako was the main, uh, yeah, I think so. Cause yeah. the other one is, uh, I'll find uh, Sai. Uh, si- Sai. Yes. So then Hako, the, the main Volpira kills his cousin. <laughs> yeah. Like she, I think it's a, she, but, um, oh. I, I don't know. Like it just, the, yeah. the, yeah. Uh, anyway, whoever it is, um, is it, is it Hako or Hava? I think it's Hava. Oh, Hava, Hava. It? Yeah, uh, right. yeah. Hava, like, takes so she's like oh yeah do you hear so i guess it's also worth mentioning that the wailing bone they had snapped into two pieces yes so that was like a big like when they put the elder's body in the river the wailing bone snapped into two pieces which that's very bad uh and they went back to the the caravan and they're like yeah the wailing bone totally told us to put him there so they lied to their 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 caravan yes. which is even worse right mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and so like whenever if they touch the, the wailing bone like they it feels like they're drowning or going underwater and so they right. have two two halves of the wailing bone uh and they go down to the river as we said to look for the, the the dead body and then hava 
it's like it's like oh yeah can you can you hear my pieces making noise and her cousin's like no mine's not making any noise and she just whacks him over the head and keeps hitting him and then just like starts like Push- drowning yeah. him yeah it's so like, violent what this is this, i mean this is some this is like classic horror it was it was really well done oh my gosh and yeah and so so yeah so so hava kills the cousin and then gets pulled under the water herself yes by both the elder and her cousin yes. like it talks about her like cousin's mangled paw coming at her from the water and like grabbing her and pulling her under uh and then like the the end of the tale if you don't mind me going there uh talks about how her cousin and her bones were found the next year after the river had dried up uh and they they carved the poem into one of her bones, uh, the the wailing uh, bone poem. Well, then I was gonna find it because it's it's eerie, which yes. I kind of love. But yeah, it was it, it it escalated to the point that like I was I was kind of sitting there just like shocked because I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like, oh, this is gonna be interesting. They're like, oh gosh, this escalated very quickly. I found I found the poem. All so, right. Um, and actually, what's really neat is they talk about how there's engravings on the wailing bone. Uh, and not only is it in a language that only a few Volpira can read, but all the Volpira know what it says. So it right. says, wander, roam, bring me home, down paths at my behest, among stones lay down my bones, so I at last may rest. Yes. I was like, ooh, that's kind of eerie. Right. Uh, not that this entire tale isn't super eerie. Right. So, the, so the, yeah, so the best twist is at the end because they take... Uh, Hava's bones. They carve the they carve the poem into that, and now Hava's bones are the new whaling bone. Yep. And so for the caravan, they're using that, and Hava says, "Like I know how it's so boring and tedious that you have to, you know, t- you know, bring your dead relative around waiting to to bury them. Mm-hmm. I know because I'm with you, and I hear every complaint, and I feel the heat, and I'm just like." I'm stuck with you for the tedium and I can only howl when you get close to where you're supposed to bury somebody. And then I can start making noise and speak. And, and, and otherwise I'm stuck being silent. Like it's, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, not only, not only did you get the crime mm-hmm. that, you know, and then, then they tried to fix the crime with more crime yes, and more sin, but then they get the penalty for the sin. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's eternal damnation of a way. It was a fantastically it, written it, tale, oh. honestly. Like, it's, I I really enjoyed it. It's as I said, like that. That's when we talk about ones that you probably shouldn't read your kids. That was the first one that I was, was thinking no, of. No, oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm glad that I didn't because th- this. I mean, this is the kind of thing you would tell like a, a Halloween, mm-hmm. like you know, like like a you know, like a, a you know, around a campfire with the flashlight. Yes. Like it was. This was just so so well done. I I really enjoyed this one and and the, the twist and the the horror, but but the comeuppance. Now, the one thing that I do want to talk about is, again, like tr- now, trying to fit this into the lore. Okay. All right. Okay. So, Hava dies. Mm-hmm. What should happen is that uh, Kyrian should show up. Well, t- she murdered her. Uh, her Right. So- well, no, Kyrian shows up, uh, takes her to the Arbiter, and then the Arbiter okay. can decide. Um, you know, you, you know, what, what, what afterlife do you go to? Probably Revendreth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I wonder. Yeah. Probably Revendreth. Yeah. That's right. probably the best spot now. But the thing is that we know that th- that's not what happens because Hava's the narrator and Hava's telling you this 
from the whaling bone effectively. Mm -hmm. So the question I have is, did they take Hava's soul to the Arbiter and the Arbiter threw Hava back to the whaling bone? Or is this one of those situations where, I don't want to say the soul split, but maybe like some of Hava went off to Revendreth and then there's a little re like Hava residue and this is what we're getting is part of the whaling bone. And that's what's tied to that. I wouldn't um, be surprised, honestly. Like, I know that's one of those things where in my mind, there's a lot of there's a lot of forces in Azeroth we still don't fully understand. And, you know, for the sake of the narrative, there have to be mysteries that are, can't be explained right. cut and dry. Uh, so this is one of those where it's like, maybe her soul was not destined to leave because of right. some other Vulpira magic. I, I don't know what to call it. That, 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 could, that, that could be too. Just like, I mean, we've seen Bonsamdi grab souls before yep. they would have gone somewhere else. So it's entirely possible that, you know, the Wailing Bone magic or curse i would almost say in yeah, this case it sounds like more like a curse supersede, supersedes our our knowledge of the shadowlands and how you know when hava dies hava becomes the wailing bone and that's it yeah it's that's that's just what your fate is which i i mean you know i i prefer that i think i prefer that sort of uh as much as i want to invoke the lore into this because again like we said these are all stories they're not strictly adherent to the lore right um but i prefer sort of that that uh sort of methodology for this to 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 take this story and believe it that way that um you know like it, this doesn't necessarily preclude the existing lore but this is a specific situation and that's how it played out right yes that was a good one. right so, all right yeah, so we're so, gonna get to my favorite one yeah now yeah, of course it's your favorite one well i mean of course <laughs> I, I okay i just want to say so it's called the uninvited guest mm -hmm. and the author is kami garcia and I want to say with the name, the uninvited guest, I was like, Ooh, is this going to be dreadlords? Is this going to be natural? No, 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 it was not. So before we even dive in, well, I don't know. Maybe we should dive in first. Cause I have a lot of thoughts and I absolutely go, love this. Go. All right. I'll put my headset down. I'll walk away. You can go for the rest of the show. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I probably could though. Um, so the uninvited guest, I love this tale because it is, it reflects so much of goblin culture. They did a great job. So it's, it's a cautionary tale for goblins, if that makes sense. So, like, I guess, so what happens, essentially, and I, I am, uh, I'm going to shorten it a little bit. So there is a trade prince of the Steamwheel Cartel. I have to pull, pull up his name. But uh, he's, you know, a common, common um, cartel prince. This is very greedy. Uh, classics, I think, or classes? Really bad with some of those names. Anyway, uh, yeah, like Clax. Clax, yeah. yeah. It's it's got an it's X, X and a Z, 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 and I'm so like, how like, do yeah, I? Like, I could call him Clax. 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 We'll just call him Clax. We'll call him Burning Crusade Classics. Cla oh, no. Classics. All right, so I'm gonna call him Classics though, because that sounds about right. So Classics is a very greedy goblin, and he's attending a funeral. Also, I just like a small aside: goblins have Irish funerals. I love that more than I can say. Like, if I could pick a funeral type for goblins, it would hundred percent be this. I, I did. I didn't pay, put that together, but you're absolutely right. That it's is the best description so, for what they were doing. Yes, like like yes. they literally like dance on the coffin and everything. It's a giant party. Uh, and this, I mean, they they say it's like to celebrate the other goblin, but what they do is they have an open cask and uh, or a casket, I should say. They also have open casks because they're drinking and partying. But um, yes. I believe this was another trade prince that had died. Actually, it was the Bilgewater trade prince, which I thought was interesting that they brought the two because Bilgewater is the one we play in 
um, Warcraft, and then uh, um, Steam Weedle is Gazlos. Um, but anyway, uh, what was neat is that they're like, okay, so this this old guy, he finally like he finally kicked the bucket. Like he was, you know, a, the rival of Classics, and um, they go to the funeral and they talk about like, oh yeah, his final wish was like you to be a pole bearer. He's like, she's like, I ain't gonna do that. And his wife is like. The heck you ain't! You're gonna do it because I don't want to be like insulted in front of goblin culture. Uh, very like sassy Jersey lady. I love it. Uh, so they they show up, and what you need to do at these goblin funerals is you kind of like I'd say present a gift, but essentially you just dump like riches on the person who died. And <laughs> for the higher aristocrats, it's kind of a competition who can bring the the biggest, most fancy gift. Uh, but at the same time, they're goblins, so they're like, okay, we don't actually want to part with anything valuable, so we're going to bring things that are like, you know, like the things you'd fish out of your closet valuable, but since, you know, they're they're rather wealthy, it's like coats, like fur coats, but they're like, yeah, but they're kind of like the ones that were in the back. Uh, but like, who can they're bring all, the most they're, they're, junk? They're last seasons. They're, they're yes, last seasons fashion. Yes, that is the perfect way to describe it. So uh, he rolls up and he meets another trade prince and they kind of banter back and forth. Uh, and he he pulls out a coin, and I believe they're called Baron's Coins? Or what were they called? I to find that. That was really cool. I'd heard of them before. Uh, doubloons? Was it? Uh, he pulls out a special coin. Uh, galley. Is it Galleon? Yeah, Galleons. Galleons he pulls out a guess. Galleon. And so these are special minted coins that have the first trade prince's face on them, and apparently they're very rare and very, very valuable. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I have one of these and I'm going to throw it in, you know, in the cask. And like all of the goblins like collectively do the like, ooh, wow, galleon, like super rare, super valuable. Uh, and it, I think it has been known that Classics had found, he found six of them because uh, he was like going and diving and like almost religiously looking for these things because they're that valuable and they're, you know, like definitely bragging rights at the party. Uh, but he throws it in, and they're all like, wow, like, how could you do that? That's so valuable, so rare. And, he, you know, he's soaking up the praise. Uh, and it turns out that, that it's not real. It's it's a fake one that he threw in there because he wanted everyone to, like, admire him. He still has all the real ones, but he's like, why would I ever throw something that valuable in there? Like, this guy doesn't matter to me. Uh, so they they party, they dance on the casket, they they do all that stuff. He goes home, but something comes with him. It's this creepy shadow. The uninvited guest. And so what this uninvited guest does, no one can see it. No one can feel it. He doesn't feel it. He doesn't feel any different. It starts feeding off of his greed. Now, the reverse of most stories. I love this. It actually yes. makes him charitable. So he starts giving away <laughs> things. And his wife is just mortified. She's like, what are you doing? You can't give this away. He's like, I think we have, you know, it's like, we don't need this coat. Like, we don't need this jewelry. He starts, like, giving it away to people on the street. Uh, and it keeps going and going and going and like it gets to the point where he actually gives away their home and he gives like he's out there on the street like picking up rocks and giving them to people like they were actually like he kind of loses his mind uh, and they keep trying to figure out what's wrong with him like his wife and then some of the I would call them underlings for lack of a better word uh, right. but they, they're like it's a necromancy like what's wrong with him like something is clearly wrong this Again, this feels like a horror story for goblins. But for, for goblins, exactly because it's <laughs> it's it's, it's, it. it's it's presented like in a comedic fashion because the parasite feeding off the grief, the absence of yes. grief is or of greed. greed is charity, and so it just 
like they're all worried for him and he's just being like the nicest part like here take this take that like you know like they're horrified by it yep. they can't understand it and it, it it's such a a, a well done juxtaposition that it, it's, ve- it's very enjoyable well and i think that's the thing that really struck me is that it's it's like a reverse fairy tale from the normal ones like they, their cautionary tale is like okay don't like you can be greedy but don't be too greedy just like just greedy enough like that that's okay right. but you gotta walk that line because otherwise you'll be charitable and it's like <gasps> oh my gosh i i love goblins so much yes. i really do this is a great story um i guess just to wrap it up i'll i'll go to the end but um the so when uh classics he, he sells the house and he leaves or he doesn't even sell it he just gives it away and so now his wife yeah. is homeless um and she's like i don't know where he went he just wandered off and i don't care about him right. anymore because He's a homewrecker, literally. Anyway, yeah. so uh, the 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 uninvited guest did not leave with him. The uninvited guest stayed in that, not right. in the house, but well, by her. And because it, it ate all his greed. Yes. So it ha- it could it couldn't feed anymore. It needed to find another greedy host to feed off of. Yes. And what's um what's worth mentioning that I forgot to do before uh, is the wife had taken the coins. And she had hid them. She had gone out into the woods and buried them, made sure that no one knew where she was. But she's like, these are the most valuable thing we have. I'm going to hide them. And so once Klazix left and she lost the house, she's like, okay, I'm going to start over. Like, I'm going to go get those coins. And immediately after she starts, like, digging them up, she's like, something's wrong. Like, the chill goes up her spine. She's like, oh, my gosh, this I don't know what it is. I can't see anything. This is wrong. And so she, she digs them up and... I think it like spooks her and she drops four of the coins and as she's backpedaling and she watches as the coins move on their own. And she's like, this is a fashion where they're being counted. And she's like, I need to get out of here. So she starts like she because she was sitting there like petrified watching the move. And then she's like, I need to go. Uh, And she winds up, I think, dropping the other two because it it, like starts to come at her again and she drops them and she's like, I'm just out of here. I'm just going to run. So it doesn't follow her, thankfully. But uh, at at the end, what she does is she um, makes her own business minting coins. And what are they called? Uh, tossaways. So she mints her own coins. I don't know if they have Class uh, X's face on them. They have someone's uh, face on them. Um, I think it's the original. Uh, oh, yeah. I think it's the original Goblin. The yeah, because they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're basically supposed to be, supposed to be like um, uh, replicas. Yeah. Yes. So she invents the tossaways and, you know, immediately everyone, because they've known the story of classics, uh, buys them and she becomes wealthy. Right. Uh, and so um, they have a, the, a little uh, reciting at the end. It says, in the dark of night and bright of day, keep in your hands a tossaway. Guard your fortune, mind your greed or else the uninvited guest will feed. And I was like, I love this goblin cautionary tale. It's such a goblin thing. Like. Props to the author and and the um, illustrator as well. Oh yes, um, it was definitely my favorite, and I love the idea of goblins. Like it starts the story with little children being like, "Oh yeah, I have more coins than you do," and then an elder comes over and is like, "You need to be more cautious with that." And then like, "Oh yeah," and they all like they each toss like a coin, a toss away over their shoulder, and they leave. <laughs> right, but well, it, it's funny that it's like you would spend money on something, the whole point of which is to just throw it away, but it's like, it, it, it's bait effectively. Like, yeah. oh, like I throw the coin over here and that'll just keep, you know, keep you away from me. It's it's brilliant. It shows the wife's uh, intelligence in uh, establishing her own business and then mm-hmm. making her own uh, income stream off of that. Yeah. Um, so, no, 
Well, and I was going to say the the other interesting thing is that what I get from this is, uh, and I think I've gotten this bead before, but I can't remember where, is goblins are, I wouldn't say they're really superstitious, but I would say that there is some vein of superstition in them. Uh, like, to the point where they're kind of like, uh, like Gallywicks, for example, terrified of ghosts. Like, you know, that's one yes. of those things where I think it's interesting where they have this very big personality up front and then they have superstitions that they keep in the closet but once that comes out they're like oh man everyone hide your coins like if if you think about it the thing about superstitions like most problems most earthly problems enough money can take care of them right are you in danger you can buy security you can hire somebody to take take care of what's threatening you you can move somewhere else ghosts and and specters and superstitious stuff people that make that you charitable <laughs> Right. That doesn't adhere to the standard conventions. And right. so, you know, you can't buy your way out of a haunting. Yes. And I think that's that's what I enjoy about this one is they, they very much uh, bring on that sort of cautionary tale uh, to the goblins. But right. Yeah. No, this this one was making me smile ear to ear, honestly, because it's just you can hear the horror. They're like, I, I can't believe he's giving away his stuff. And I'm trying not I, to laugh. As soon as I saw it was a goblin story, I was like, Katie's going to love this. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love I was like, this is, I, I, knew, I knew we were going to spend some time on this one. I was like, this is this is great. <laughs> this is great. So definitely props. I, I love all the little bits in here. And it was cool for me to have. Two more goblin names, at least as far as we know, they're uh, they could be historically accurate goblin names uh, for trade princes because we don't get a lot of those uh, via the lore. So, well, I wouldn't, I, I would expect them to be historically accurate. But the thing is, I mean, we don't know how long ago this takes place. Right, like it, it might, like it might have been like it, this didn't, this specific thing didn't actually happen right. the way it was told, the way it rolled out. Right, um, I mean. It could be, I mean, this could be like uh, the, the, the Steam Weedle cartel or, uh, or the, or the Bilgewater rather, the Bilgewater before uh, Gallywicks. Like this could be the guy that Gallywicks took over from. This could be like two or three, um, you know, two or three trade princes ago. I don't think it was the guy that Gallywicks took over because he has a short story he and I'm fairly okay, certain so they mentioned his name in there. Okay. Uh, so it, it's, it's going back further than that. Then. I think so. so. I think, well, fine. they talk about. Yeah galleons being old currency already like true, very valuable true. uh they don't mention why galleons like went out of favor or became so rare which is interesting in itself um but that makes me think that this is kind of like established goblin society but long ago and also it could just be like you know cautionary tale people's names change like whatever it is it doesn't matter who the characters are named or whatever it's the, right. the actual idea. I, I do think it's interesting, though, uh, on a, a side note, that it does establish that the Steam Weedle and Bilgewater are established. Again, it could be like one of those cautionary tales that gets just adapted to modern times, that sort of thing. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, and this person from ages ago in the Bilgewater cartel is like, I don't remember what cartels were around when, like. Right. Uh, that kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I always take all of these with a grain of salt, but I should probably stop talking about it now. No, no. No, that's fine. I mean, because uh, I mean, at, at, at this point, I think that's where we'll wrap up then here. Um, so next time we'll we'll see uh, how, how far we're able to get with the next the next set here. Yes. Um, yeah. The, uh, as I said, like, I like each story more. So, I mean, to say that, like, my favorite ones are coming up. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything about that. I've liked the ones so far. Like they're all, it's just, they're all good stories. They they're are. just all good stories. Yep. 
Yes, I'm um, very excited to dig into the next uh the next, eight. The next the next two are good. Um we have the uh the Varisa mm-hmm. and uh the Varisa story, then we have Uther. Yes. Um, you said those are two of the bigger ones. Those the, yeah, those, the, those those are two of the meteor ones. Um but they're all they're all good. And then then you get uh there's a Forsaken story and uh Chromie the mermaids. story at the end. And then yeah, then they get the chromie story at the end. So there's there's a there yeah, we'll get into those. We'll get into those next time. Yes. So uh, yeah, so we'll go ahead. We'll wrap up here. So this has been the Torn and the Goblin number one twenty seven. Yay! Uh, thank you to Jarrett for producing. Thank you to Kurabara for editing, and thank you for listening. We are at Torn Goblin on Twitter, also at the Mash Network. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mash those buttons. Also at YouTube at youtube.com slash mash those buttons. Katie, where can people find you? You can find me as always at Hyrule Master seventy seven on Twitter. And if you want to talk to me about Goblin lore, please come find me. I love talking about Goblin lore. Just in case you didn't know. And I am at WookieBH on Twitter. You can also find me here on the Mash Those Buttons Network on WoW Talk, where we talk about Warcraft uh, news and guild management, and also on Squad Goals, a Mass Effect Legendary Edition podcast, where we talk about Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition. Playing through that. So. <laughs> Mass Effect lore. <laughs> <laughs> Someday we're going to have to do my, my, my theory that uh, the Turians are elves and the Krogan are orcs. I was going to say, like, I, well, canonically, we know that those two worlds intersect because in Dragon Age, there's a Krogan head on the wall somewhere. Like, oh, that's right. That's right. You yes. can find um, uh, Thalos as a planet in Mass Effect, like one or two. I think it's one because you yes. have a scanning planet. Yes. Yeah. No, Mass Effect lore. Mass Effect. Oh, don't get me started on Dragon Age lore. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to make a whole new podcast just for that. Yes. <laughs> So go check that out. Join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons and email us your what you think of the stories, which uh, stories were your favorites. Let us know. Let us know why they're all the goblin ones. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The Torn one was good, too. The Torn one was good, too. I'm sorry. (laughs) So email us at torngoblin at mash.gg. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us out, please share it and rate it if you can. And visit mtb.gg slash support to see all the ways you can support Mash Those Buttons and all our great podcasts including on Patreon, where for as little as $1 a month, you can gain early access to content as well as to Patreon-exclusive content, such as my weekly WoW thoughts, where I talk about what I'm thinking about WoW for about 10 minutes each week. Also, for those in the chat room, please consider a Twitch subscription if you can. You can also check out our Humble Bundle affiliate link as well as our PayPal one-time donation link over at mtb.gg support. And stay tuned to hear about our other shows on the Mash Those Buttons network. Our next episode is scheduled to record live at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons on... I think it's the, the 23rd? No, it'll be the 30th. Or, no, 16th. 30th. Oh, oh, July, oh, of course, our live one. Yes. You're right. So, yeah, so that will be July 30th at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, but check Twitter for any updates. For Katie, I'm Nick. Ancestors, watch over you. Time is cautionary tales, friends. Uh, Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. 
If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash themashnetwork, facebook.com slash mashthosebuttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash discord. 